Welcome to Licensed Psychologist, Now What? A podcast about the journey psychologists and psychotherapists go through as they reclaim their intuition and unleash their healing gifts while maneuvering getting licensed, life, and making a living. And although this podcast host and many of the guests are mental health professionals, the information provided is not meant to be a substitute for being diagnosed and treated by a licensed mental health, medical, and related professionals, or for supervision and or consultation purposes. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Licensed Psychologist, Now What? I still feel like I'm going to say the Beyond Resilience Life, but I'm not. It's still like, uh, it's still there. Today, I have the honor and privilege to introduce to you all, if you haven't yet, to Rosa Shetty, and she is a licensed clinical social worker. I met her again via Instagram. I feel like I have all this community of Instagram psychotherapists and psychologists and social workers, and it's been really fun. I feel like the pandemic, in a way, got in the way because otherwise we would have been able to like maybe do some coffee in person and stuff like that. Cause I know you're also local to LA, yes. but I wanted to introduce to you all and please welcome Rosa. Aww. Why are you? <laughs> Thank welcome. you. Thank you so much for having me, Liliana. This is, um, I know we've been talking about this for a few months, maybe two months. So I'm glad we finally were able to make it happen. <laughs> I know. And I know Rosa also has a podcast herself and two weeks I'm going to be you're going to, yeah, I think that, it's in two yeah, weeks. Yes. Something like that. Will be the recording. <laughs> probably as yes. you're listening to this, you're like, context is so out of it because it's coming in a different time. So probably that episode is already out. I don't know, but, <laughs> but check that out and she'll That's share true. more about it. But talking about that, can you please tell us a little bit more about you, your services and what do you love the most? Yeah. So I'm, I'm a mom. I'm a wife. I, I am a licensed clinical social worker. I'm in mental health. So I do, I do therapy. I help folks um, specifically recover from trauma. I focus a lot on complex trauma, sexual abuse, and a lot of physical abuse and neglect in childhood. And so I work with adults that, you know, that are recovering from the effects of trauma. And I use a lot of, you know, my specialty specifically is in EMDR Recently, I've been learning Havening, and I've been, I'm in the process of getting credential with Havening, which is a very somatic, but also energetic tool that I've been really, really just interested in right now. So I use a more body-oriented approach. I also incorporate a lot of spirituality into the work that I do. I work with parts, connecting with their inner child. And for the folks that are open to it, I do a lot of ancestral work as well, focusing on those ancestral toxic patterns, also, you know, known as generational patterns. And, you know, we, so we delve into a lot, you know, when I'm working with someone that's more or less about me. I think you asked why I love what I do. What, what do you love the most? What do I, okay. So I, you know, honestly, one of the greatest privilege and just joys for me is to really to be able to guide folks back to their own medicina, back to their own medicine. You know, I, I feel that as a therapist, my, my role is really to connect them and to help them tap into that, that part within the, themselves that is already wise, that is already whole and, and, and healed and just 
the wiser part of them that sees everything, that knows everything. And a part of the goal of trauma-focused therapy is to connect them to that wiser part within themselves. So then that way they can be their own healers. So they can be their own, you know, connect to their own medicine. And so that's more or less of what I, I just love about the work that I do is to be able to guide folks back to themselves, back to the core of who they really are. Mm, that resonates so much. And at the same time, I'm here, like, I mean, I feel like we're talking the same language. <laughs> and <laughs> at the same time, I feel, you know, there's been this movement of Instagram therapy and mm-hmm. self-healing. And, and then there's been so much criticism about moving completely away from diagnosing or because in trainings like EMDR that I'm also trained in EMDR, we don't talk about helping people to get back to themselves. We talk about take those symptoms away, process trauma, you know, transform memories and integrate stuff. But there's no talk of, at least when I got the training or in other trauma trainings about helping them come back to that, or even talking about inner child or ancestral healing. So when we talk about this, and I just want to like get your view. So the audience that is also listening, even students and newly graduates that are like coming out and they're seeing that a lot of therapists are talking about this, but that was not touched at all in many schools. What would you say to them? What is your view on this self-healing or talking about these topics that are not academically or, you know, evidence-based or whatever, other BS? (laughs) Yeah, no, definitely. What's coming up for me right now, honestly, is that I, I've been through a lot of the trainings, uh, the formal trainings for a lot of different modalities that have a lot of evidence, a lot of research behind, but I'm going to be the first one, you know, to, (laughs) I'm, I'm not one to follow anything by the book. I go to the trainings and I take what resonates with me. And I honestly, I do my own thing with it. So with EMDR, you know, I, before getting into EMDR, just to give you an example, I was very much into hypnosis. And I was learning about hypnosis and I was going to as myself as, as a client and then learning about, you know, how to continue or how to get someone to, you know, in that state. So when I took the EMDR training, it just reminded me so much of that training, which there's not a lot of research on. I think maybe more is coming out now, but it just, it just resonated in that way. Well, I, I appreciate it because it had so much neuroscience research and it was backed up by, so I, it's almost like, because I'm licensed, I'm a licensed mental health therapist. I, it's almost like that's the permission that I needed. Okay. This is, there's evidence for this. So I'm going to go with this, but I don't follow uh, Shapiro's protocol. You know, I do more of the attachment based, but even that I don't really do that. I, I like to say that I, I blend the EMDR, the bilateral eye movement with parts work. And what I found and the reason why I'm so, uh, I talk so much about inner child work is that when you connect EMDR with parts work, like internal family systems, what comes out is, I I would say, I don't know, like 95% of the time, my clients will automatically go to their inner child. They will connect with a child part across the life, the the childhood developmental stages. So 
so I just go with that. So I, I actually don't really follow any particular protocol. I, I just follow what the client is presenting with. So I found patients that as they're in the EMDR, as we're doing the bilateral eye movement and we check in, they're seeing their grandmother. So then I, and that, you know, a lot of times they've passed away or other, you know, deceased loved ones. And we go there and, and it's still within the context of EMDR, it's still within the context of internal, you know, family systems or parts work. I even incorporate, I'm trained in sensory motor psychotherapy. So I even incorporate some movement, especially when there seems to be some stuck energy that just wants to be released. We stop and we, we check into the body. So, but if they're having in their mind's eye, they're seeing their deceased loved one, their grandparent or great grandparent, then we go there and I, and, you know, and I just let them know, like, just, just go with that, you know, just follow that and, and let's see what happens. And they continue on that pattern. And the amazing, the amazing thing is that they get so much out of it. So whether it's, you want to call it EMDR or ancestral healing, they automatically, the clients will go there. You know, you don't even, I don't even have to really tell them, Hey, let's connect with your inner child or let's connect with your, you know, deceased loved ones. When we're working through these different modalities and it automatically our mind is just wired to guide us to that, that that source within us that holds our medicine so whether that is your inner child or whether that is your you know your, your ancestors you will go I feel like you will go there or at least my clients they go there on their own <laughs> you know and I very rarely um, specifically talk about in session in therapy about the inner child I don't, I never really, unless they ask directly, Hey, I saw your Instagram and you posted about the ancestor. Then we may talk, but I never, you know, just to clarify, say, let's connect with your ancestors. It is usually something that comes up naturally when we're doing deep healing work like EMDR really provides the container for that, you know, and all the other modalities that I mentioned, like parts work and even the somatic psychotherapy or, or more of the body oriented psychotherapy. That is so, so powerful. And when you combine that, it's just, um, it's just naturally, like I said, your body just naturally knows what to do and your body and your mind are all connected and you will, the clients will see in their mind's eye where they need to go next. So I don't know if that answered your your question. I love it because how I'm also seeing it is that it's taking the science or, you know, the research, the theories and integrating to like making it what's the word it's like making it adaptable or for the client so you're Mm -hmm. not following what a book that probably was made with the clients that they were used to create that evidence base were probably not the clients that you're seeing (laughs) or very Mm -hmm. different clientele so you're taking that and making it more personable to whatever comes and I love how you say how you help them get into their medicine and as I'm hearing you speak then the next question that comes into my mind is how do you got there? How do you got to feeling confident that that's what you do? Because I, mm-hmm. I bet I'm here like assuming, but I bet that that was not the case when you came out of, you know, a recent graduate and all that. Like, how was that journey for you to be like, this is what I do? Yeah. So no, it's been, you're right. It's been a long journey. I've been in this field for a very long time. My first internship was 
in 2005. I mean, so it's been a long time. It's been a journey. I want to say that at the beginning, I was heavily involved, uh, or most of my work was in the community, doing field work. I was going into people's homes. I was working in the emergency room, working with very intense, in the moment, crises, a lot of crisis intervention. So I worked in child abuse investigations. I worked in a trauma level one center. So for those of you that don't know, the state of California has trauma centers throughout in very strategic locations. And trauma level one is the highest level of trauma. So this is where people get flown in, you know, from just horrible car accidents, gunshot wounds, you know, people that need to be, you know, saved within minutes, you know, so we get, we would get people flown in. You know, so that's where I started, and a, a that's lot just where of, you started, right? Just that's like, where I started. No, I'm, as, I'm just saying from like, wow, like from a recent <laughs> graduate, that's where you yeah. started. They place you right in the middle of it. Yeah, wow. but you yeah. know what? I that was my first job. That wasn't my internship, but that was my first job. Like once I was out of school. But I'm so grateful for that experience because I would not be able to do that now. I mean, I was in my early mid twenties at that time. You know, and there is no way that now at this age, you know, my, that I would even be able to, to do that. <laughs> you know, it takes a certain level of energy. And I would say also a certain level of, for me at least, and not for everyone, because I know there's people that have been doing this for years and they absolutely love it. That's their passion. But for me, I honestly didn't even know what I was walking into. I was, you know, I was so young and I just wanted to, I was just fresh out of school and, and I wanted to, to make a difference. <laughs> you know, that was my my mindset. And I wanted to work in, I wanted to work with children. I want to work with families. I didn't really know. I didn't have an idea of what that would look like. I just know that I wanted to work with uh, specifically with families. So that's kind of where I ended up, (laughs) where where I ended up working. And, but it was, yeah, it was such a good experience, a very solid foundation to my clinical practice that came later on because, you know, I was with folks, you know, when I was with the doctors, for example, when they had to deliver the news that their loved one didn't make it from that a car accident or their child actually, you know, they're waking up from the the shock of the car accident. And I, I mean, myself and the doctor had to let them know when they asked about their children that one of them didn't make it, you know, so it was a lot, a lot of, it was a lot of very intense emotional experiences. And there was also a lot of trauma for me, you know, mm-hmm. and I do want to say that there's a lot of adrenaline that happens, especially working in an emergency room at a level one trauma center. The, the adrenaline is always going. I remember working long nights and not feeling tired because of all the adrenaline you know, that's pumping. So it was very, very toxic for me. At the end, I did that for a few years. There is a level of trauma, as you know, you know the secondary mm-hmm. transmission of trauma. And not only that, but also being in that moment with them, witnessing those just intense emotions is over time, of course, it accumulates and it can be very overwhelming, especially if you don't have a solid spiritual practice, which I didn't, you know, again, I was young, I was fresh out of school and fresh in life. Really, I was an adult, you know, for the first time after graduate school, I had to be on my own. So I was really learning to navigate a lot of different things. But it was through that experience of feeling burned out and feeling like, okay, I can't do this. I need to do something else. And why am I feeling like this? Why am I feeling so tired? You know, I'm so young. Why do I feel like I need to do something else with my life? You know, I just graduated from this program. I'm in the process of getting licensed, you know, but the reality was that I got, 
I got burned out very quickly because I went in, you know, and, and just got into very intense working environments very, very quickly. So through that process of trying to heal, so I did have the awareness, even as a, you know, 25 or 26 year old that I needed to, to do some healing. So I connected or I just kind of, I want to say connected, but I just kind of just fell upon a yoga studio. And that was really the doorway for me. It was through yoga. I didn't start doing yoga for the spiritual aspects of it. I just needed something to help me, you know, to work. For me, it was more about fitness and maybe I need to work out more that will help me feel better. You know, that's kind of where, how I got started. And then little did I know that that just opened the door to everything else. And in a way, circled back to my own upbringing and reconnected me to my own, a lot of my indigenous, you know, healing practices. So that's kind of how I got started. And then little by little, I, with my career, at least I transitioned to different environments that were, were uh, better for me as a person. And that also I felt like I could help others. So from there, I started working with the VA. I, I worked with, with veterans. Then I started doing mental health and just doing a lot of therapy. And that's kind of where I stayed. That's where I found like the most I guess the, just the, the combination of passion and the combination of, of just feeling the, the sense of rewarding without feeling so tired, without feeling so drained. And even that, of course, as you know, you're, you're a therapist too, it comes with a lot of challenges, but, you know, having that initial foundation, everything else just kind of compare back to that. Just, I think my nervous system just, you know, got a, um, got a dosage what do you call it of um, immunity <laughs> because yeah. of that crazy experience that I had the first few years of my career that everything else just you know just it just fell in place accordingly but it's been really through my own spiritual journey starting with at that time and even before that if I really look back it started way before that but it, it was really been through that process of coming to terms with my spirituality coming to terms with my own healing and I think that's the biggest aspect is that the more you heal, the more open you are. And the, because the more you heal, the more you want to heal, right? So it becomes like, like this journey that doesn't really end, right? It's almost like I, I'm here, but I can, I want to continue learning about, or I want to continue healing from this. And it, it just expands. So that's kind of more or less of how I started becoming more and more comfortable. And the more I heal, the more I learned. The more I started incorporating into my own practice with my clients, and it was very gradual. You know, it was first, you know, let's practice some affirmations and let's practice, you know, and then eventually when I started learning more about yoga, I was like, hey, why don't you try these yoga poses when you as homework? And then it was, let's, you know, so it just became like mm -hmm. little by little. It's just, it's just, it was natural because it's who I am, right? So when you are in therapy with a client, you bring yourself in, right? You bring yeah. You bring everything that you've done for yourself, right? In the therapy room, but you bring everything. You bring your, your breath work, your yoga practice. You bring your meditation, you know, everything that you do to contain and take care of yourself, you bring that into your therapy room. Yeah. So I feel like I, I can't not make that be part of my healing so when I, going back to your original question, is like when I learned these modalities and the wonderful, and there's so much research, at the same time, I feel like certain things aren't for me. You know, I'm not, I'm just, 
and that's I think that's the beautiful thing about just being licensed and knowing that within yes. reason, of course, we can't, you know, we can't, you know, go all out, but yeah. but within reason, we do have a lot of freedom, you know, to practice with our clients as long as we get consent and as long as they're on board. We do have a lot of freedom to practice and we don't have to stick to the protocols as they are taught in the trainings. And that, that's one thing that that I've learned that even though, yes, the EMDR, that's what the research shows that works, then I won't call it EMDR. I'm going to call it just bilateral eye movement with child work, you know, inner child work. And that's my, that's what I call it, you know? So just to give you an example, I tend to just, I'm very flexible with what I've learned and what I've incorporated within my own healing. And that's kind of what I bring to the table when I'm working with clients. No, I, I hear you. And I'm like, it resonates so much. And at the same time, as you're sharing your journey, I'm here thinking you heard the calling and you follow through. It was like, "Mm, this is not for me. So what is next? And you kept looking. It sounds like you kept looking. And and that takes courage that a lot of people sometimes struggle with. I don't want to call it motivation. In a way, I heard that. (laughs) I hate that word, but it's, you know, following through when they listen. So it sounded like that spiritual practice that you even had before, and then you evolve it and, you know, it Mm -hmm. became something else, help you build that awareness of your own medicina, kind of like the thing that you wanted to do with your clients. It's like, you have Mm -hmm. done it and keep doing it with yourself, which is really beautiful. And can you share a little bit about your spiritual practice, if you don't mind? Mm -hmm. Yes. So I want to go back to, you know, just a little bit about my upbringing. So I was born in or raised, born and raised in a very religious household, prayer and talking about the angels and Jesus. And that was just like everyday life. So when I graduated from high school and started, I was going to start college, I actually chose a a college that had a specialization in theology. I majored in religious studies and theology. I studied that for two years. So even back then, even though I didn't know really what I wanted to do, when people asked me, you know, what are you studying? And I would say, oh, you know, it's religious studies and theology, and I want to be a professor. And I want to, I, I didn't have the words back then, but I think what I wanted back then, I wanted to, to be more like, like to just learn. I think I wanted to learn. And then I thought, well, what else can I do with all this knowledge? I need to share it. So I would say I wanted to be a professor, you know, but I, I really don't know what I, I think I was searching, you know, so even back then, I've always been a seeker of knowledge and truth. And, and that golden thread has, you know, like even now, it's still coming up from it's, it's still there, you know, that it's always seeking truth, uh, my own, you know, what I connect as truth and always seeking knowledge. And, so even so at that time, what I didn't expect, though, is that measuring into that, I thought I was going to learn about my mother's religion, you know, I thought, because this was a very specific denomination. It was a college, you know, within that denomination. So it was very specific. So I thought I was going to be learning that. But this school is in Southern California, super liberal, super progressive. And as I got into this program, I was like my mind was just like, you know, just blown away with everything that the professor were talking about. So everything I had learned growing up is like, they were talking about Bible chapters that were not included in the Bible. For example, you know, the, they were talking about the agnostic gospels and talking about the prophets that I had never heard of and talking about all the 
And I was like, what is, so I would come home and talk to my mom, like, did you know, blah, 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 blah. And do you know that what they, you know, you know what, this is what you showed me, but did you know that that's actually not true? And, you know, I I started like Mm -hmm. challenging. So Mm -hmm. through that process, I realized like, you know, this is, I kind of got disillusioned with with the religion because again, I was coming to terms with the religion with this and the spiritual practice. And my school, my program was focused on teaching us the Bible and religious studies of the world. And also they were looking at the Bible as a anthropological work, mm. as a, from a cultural perspective, sociological perspective. So it was a lot of challenging of, at least for, you know, at, the, at that time, that school was challenging a lot of things that I had believed my entire life. So that's kind of how that started. So very, so I I did that for a couple of years. And then I realized that that this is not for me. That's not, this is not what I I want. This is not what I had in mind. I had, there was a part within me and this is kind of where I go back to there's, there's always this part that just kind of guides us very gently. It's like a, like a whisper, right? And I, and that little whisper was very present with me back then. And I, I knew there was something else. I wanted to work with families. That was my thing. Like, I want to work with families. Um, but, you know, I don't know how all of this that I've learned, how it fits in. Um, I found social work through that journey. Um, I really connected with that, with that just because the heavy emphasis on family systems and, mm-hmm. and understanding uh, a person within their environment. And and that focuses on activism. So I I was really drawn to that profession. So that's where I went. And you know, it wasn't until I, I think I, I you know going back to your original question, it for me with my spiritual practice, it didn't come into a concrete form. And like I said earlier, until I had it really come to terms with with difficulties in my life. And one of the things that happened at the same time that I was transitioning from work, I was actually on a personal level, transitioning from a, from a toxic relationship, you know, ending a toxic relationship. So ending that relationship for, in, in some way, kind of um, just, I think I, that relationship was numbing a lot of the parts within me, a lot of the, the wounded parts within me were being pieced, you know, with that relationship, or at least I, they didn't feel as strong because that relationship was numbing a lot of that. So when that ended, it's like, I had to deal with everything, <laughs> you know, the generational issues and the, my own lived experiences and the trauma, traumas that came through that. So I didn't have another choice but to start connecting. I just knew that there's, um, I couldn't handle all of these changes within myself. So I started meditating. I actually stopped going to church. The interesting part is that I actually stopped going to church. And I said, this is not, this is not helping, <laughs> you know, and, and I just connected with what I found soothing. And, and I think the interesting part is that the universe just kind of placed people in my life that have helped me in my spiritual practice along the years. So I've always had mentors. And that's one of the things that I, I want, one of the things I want to emphasize is that I have not done this alone. It, there's always been, thankfully, someone guiding me, you know, so when I started connecting with my inner child, I was in therapy, you know, and it was through that process that I, that I experienced connecting with my inner child for the first time when I was, for example, connecting with my ancestors, uh, or when I started this journey, I had a coworker that I went to and I said, Hey, I have this experience. I don't know what this is about. And she just kind of took me under her wing and she was like, well, let, let me, let me tell you about myself. Let me tell you how I, you know, what I've been working through. And so she shared with me a lot of 
her own journey and the stuff that that she does to help herself and connect with her ancestors and do all these ancestral healing. And then that just opened the door to other things. So right now I would say that my spiritual practice involves connecting with the universe, connecting with life, connecting with joy, connecting with my ancestors in a very deep emotional way. And I'm not talking about, you know, just setting time aside and and meditate. It's more of a as a way of life, you know, I don't go to church, you know, I don't have a church that I belong to, but I have a community that I connect with. And I guess, you know, you can say that together, we help each other stay connected to that part within us because you do need support, right? As you know, mm-hmm. in, in whatever you do, you do need others and life gets, in, you know, life is hard, regardless if you're, you have a solid spiritual practice or not, you know, life is going to continue happening as life needs to happen. Mm -hmm. so we need others to help us so a lot of my spiritual practice now it just involves community not in a church setting but community of like-minded people that I consider friends that I consider just fellow uh, also like mentors you know in a way elders that just guide me when I need some guidance and just meditation and the yoga and you know and the ancestors and just kind of continuing to develop that relationship that's a whole other conversation but it's been that's a that's a journey that I've been on for I would say since this all this started taking place in my life all these changes which right now it's been almost 10 years I would say and it's just it's been a process but that's more or less of what I do now I don't know if that answered your question no it (laughs) it does because it sounds like I love how you mentioned that it's a way of life Because a lot of times people are like, give me your spiritual practice. Do you sit for five minutes? Do you do this? How many breaths? Do you do the five, six, you know, all this structure. And it sounds like you just kind of integrate and go. And what I keep hearing as you share more about your story is that from little, you've had that strong intuition and that strong connection that you've been Mm -hmm. guided. And then as soon as you listen, which is what I usually tell clients and the people that I coach and I mentor is like, as soon as you start listening and following through that inner guidance, that it feels different from anxiety. Sometimes it gets confusing, but the more that you listen to it, the stronger it gets and the stronger I feel the connection. And as soon as you respond to it, things start to like flow and open in, in ways that you would never would have been able to logically plan ahead. Mm-hmm. But it takes a lot of surrender and a lot of like trust. Yeah, many, yeah absolutely. That is one of the hardest is like, how can I trust? Because the inner world, it's been what I cannot trust, or I've made, it has hurt me with my traumas and my experiences that I don't trust my body. I don't trust my sensations. I don't want to feel my sensations. I don't want to hear my inner guidance. And that part then tends to be really hard. But that's what I keep hearing as you share your stories. Like you had that strong internal connection with, with mm-hmm. that inner guidance that would like send you, people can call them like earth angels and all this to guide you and to open doors. And then you trusted and you went there and then that opened other doors, but it takes that courage and surrender and trust. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of surrendering because there is not a lot that, you know, when, when life happens, there's not much we can do, right? People hurt you, people betray you, and there's nothing you can do about their behavior right and you can only surrender to what life is bringing you and use that as opportunities for growth and that's where the courage comes in right to be able to say okay how can I take this 
drama, this mess, and use it to further my healing, not just from this, you know, from this relationship or not just from this breakup, but to heal my, the generational patterns that keep showing up over and over and over. And then awareness too, right? Yeah, to, to be able to have the awareness. And that for me is the biggest thing because if you don't have awareness of what's happening, you know, we will just continue, you know, just human nature is to continue doing what we do because that's what's routine. That's what's normal. You know, naturally we want to keep homeostasis. We want to keep balance at all costs. So when we do gain some awareness that you can't undo that, <laughs> you know, you can't unlearn the awareness that you need, you know, once right. you realize, you know, that there are things that you need to work on, you can pretend like, okay, I'll, I'll ignore that for now and I'll continue moving forward. And, you know, but that you will always know that that is something that you need to address. And a lot of times until you address it, it won't leave you alone. You know, it's like this little voice, this little whisper that just keep just nagging you until you listen, until you do what you need to do to take care of yourself or to heal or to do something about it, to take an action. Right. Yeah. So I feel like awareness and you said courage. All and surrender, all of those three components are key, you know, for growth and for healing, really, for any kind of healing to happen. You need that. You need those three elements present because it is hard. You know, that's where the courage comes in. It's so hard to sit with the discomfort of your, with your inner child, for example. That is so hard. I mean, we talk about it in a very, I think, with the Instagram and the social media, it's been romanticized a lot, the concept right. of our inner child and our ancestors. But mm. let me tell you, you know, from my own experience, it is not easy when you really go there, when you really connect with your inner child, or I should say, because we're talking about both with your ancestors, it's not easy. You know, I've had so many experiences where I've felt worse, actually, you know, because Mm -hmm. It's hard to sit with the discomfort of the trauma. It's hard to hear the messages that are coming through. And if you don't have guidance and you're connecting with, let's say, for example, your ancestors, it can feel scary, you know? So it's really, really important to always look for a guide, someone that can help you in to be in relationship with someone that can really guide you. It doesn't have to be a therapist. It could be a friend that you have that just so maybe a few steps ahead of you in, in terms of their healing, for example. But it's really, very really important to keep that in mind that this is not easy work. When you're going in there with the courage, with the, the awareness and the intention to heal, there's going to be moments of discomfort and pain and difficulties, but that's just part of the journey. Mm -hmm. I love so many things and I feel like we can talk for hours yeah. and I'm also looking at the <laughs> time, can. but one of the things that I want to piggyback that I feel like it's important is that aspect that you're bringing, how it's been romanticized in IG and in social media, ancestral healing, inner child healing, even healing, process your trauma, manage your triggers. There's all these ideas of like, when you do that, things will change and everything will be fine. And it's like, it's not that way. And there's also what is the human experience? which yeah. I mean, I know from a Buddhist perspective is like the suffering is part of life, but as humans, we want to like avoid any suffering and we want to like move away from it and be like, there's no suffering, but how can we also, there's parts of the human experience that are just part of like, kind of like human nature that you have to eat and go to the bathroom and, and hydrate yourself. Yes. You can use your power of the mind to like, maybe 
for a week, don't eat or whatever, but there's going to come a moment that you're going to have to eat because that's mm-hmm. just part of what is the human experience. And sometimes we forget that there's some things that you can work everything, but you still experiencing that grief, how you mentioned, how mm-hmm. can that you use it for something else? How mm-hmm. can that be the alchemist for something else? What's the lesson mm-hmm. behind it? What's mm-hmm. the, what do you have to learn? What are you breaking? What are you helping? What are you? And that takes so much of, I feel like awareness and feeling grounded. So it's not like, mm-hmm. oh my God, trigger, deal with it, take it out. <laughs> and yeah. I, I'm healed. I'm healed. I did my trauma healing stuff. It's like, um, Mm. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. And the, the interesting part is that every stage of life will bring you different challenges that oh, yeah. will trigger your trauma in a different way. You know, yeah. so I became a mother uh, a year and a half ago, or a little bit more than a year and a half ago, almost two years now. And that has brought in so many other parts within myself that I thought I had already worked through. And that is just challenging me, challenging me in a whole other way that has really propelled me to continue my journey of healing. So I, the way I like to see it, whenever I hear someone say, I'm healed, and let me show you what I did to get healed. That's for me, that's a red flag, because, you know, there is, I think, just living in this life, <laughs> you know, this human experience, there is so much that we're working through from our own lifetime, but also from you know, the, the karmic, you know, patterns that have been transferred on from other, at least, you know, from my perspective, from other lifetimes, from our previous generations. And a lot of times we have moments when we feel good. I definitely had weeks where I feel, I feel the sense of joy and I feel grounded and I feel like I'm present. And then something happens, you know, like I hear from this toxic family member, they text me and then it's like, oh, there it goes. I had, you know, my, my good tweet. And I'm telling you that's now after over, you know, 15 years of trying to, you know, work through my own difficulties, right? I, we all have those moments because we're humans. I don't think that we can ever say we healed. We can improve significantly. Like when we're talking about, let's say, let's go back to you know, PTSD and, you know, complex trauma, there are very specific symptoms that we can reduce through therapy. You can learn how to reduce these symptoms so you can sleep better, so you can feel more grounded, so you're not getting high. So your, your nervous system and your mind is not getting hijacked into the past. And there's very specific tools, but we're not talking about healing, you know, that we're talking about just life, you know, healing and emotional wounding, right? That is going to be a lifelong journey that's going to keep coming up. So when we ha- we're healing from, you know, let's say we had a very difficult relationship with our mother growing up. And now that I'm a mother, maybe I thought I had worked through that, you know, pre, you know, my pre-mother self. And I did, you know, maybe I did. I was good. I was able to come to terms. But then I became my mother or a mother, I'm <laughs> mother. that I'm becoming my mother. Right. And it's mm-hmm. like, oh, wait a minute. You know, so there's things that I still need to work on. There's areas of growth that are showing up. It doesn't mean that I haven't healed. It doesn't mean that I have not progressed on my path, but this being a mom for the first time is presenting new opportunities for healing and the awareness, the courage, you know, all of that is, it's going to have to come into place if if we want to continue moving on our path. So I'm not one to endorse the idea that I'm healed. I'm good now. Like, come learn with me. I can help. I don't endorse that because I think we can always, we're always moving forward. We're always improving, but there's 
just life. And you know, the interesting thing is that, you know, at my age, I don't want to, I want to continue growing. You know, I don't want to think of myself as like, I'm done. I'm healed. Right. right. <laughs> you know, I, I got there. I, I got where. To. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 and children, know, but, children will continue to like bring you back and remind you. Absolutely. Like, at every stage, stage yes, right? Because stage. one thing when they're babies and they're, mm-hmm. you know, teenagers are a whole yeah. other, you're going to have, you know, you're forced to deal with a whole other set of issues yeah. and then they're adults. So it's it really life. That's just how it is. Right. And there's always something that sometimes it, it may not be uh, a child, but it could be a boss. Mm-hmm. Just having, you know, you think you're, you're worked through all of your childhood difficulties and then you have this boss that just mm-hmm. reminds you. And that happens a lot with the boss. It's yes. so interesting. But then you have this boss that just, just triggers you and you're so upset. You don't even know why. And then you, as you start, you know, processing, you realize the, the similarities with someone from your past. And then you, so you, then it gives you life, gives you an opportunity to work through that wound or that trauma. You know, so life is, I, I believe, is always giving us opportunities for growth, but we do have to, you know, going back to that, we do have to be able to have the awareness to take it, to, to take that opportunity and then the courage to do something about it, mm-hmm. take an action. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. I'm here thinking of any specific message for other therapists that are trying to figure out, you know, what do they believe in, in terms of how the work that they do and in integrating different modalities? Like what would be a message that you would give to them? Mm-hmm. I would say to do their own healing, you know, to really, really sit with their own discomfort with their own. So whatever approach you, you gravitate towards, that's an indication that that's the medicine that you should take. So, um, to so if you notice that you know as a new therapist or as a new, new mental health you know like newly licensed mental health provider, if you notice that you're really gravitating towards the field of you know let's say trauma or e or you want to do EMDR, then that take that as a window for your healing. You know, a window to within within yourself and to really tap into that. What is this about? You know, what is this? Because sometimes the ego wants us to get get all of these trainings and to get all of this experience and do all of these credentials and all that stuff. But the ego it will take over if we let it. But that's not healing. Our, our ego is just looking to to amplify itself, to show how much you know, to so show how much that you've separation. learned. I'm so good. Yeah, yes. but but that's not where the, I'm talking about the heart and the emotional healing. That's not where healing happens, right? So. But I think it could be a good indica- a good window into that. So if you notice a specific interest, a specific area of interest, look into that and see what that is. How does that come back to you? What are some of the patterns that you can work through yourself or your, maybe your, even your family lineage or your generational patterns? How can you heal and work th- from that perspective on yourself, on your family? Or your, you know? So I think it's just a good way to tap into what the medicine that you need because a lot of times, unconsciously or not, we follow a specific path in our career because we're searching for our own medicine. Mm -hmm. So really be, I I would encourage Mm -hmm. those to really, I didn't have that. That's why I'm I'm, I'm encouraging. I I, I just went through, you know, the certifications and the licensing and all that. And it's like, I I wish I would have had a chance at at that time in those years to say, wait a minute, what is this saying? What areas are being what areas within myself are being amplified through this process? What do I need to work on? What are some of the things that I still need to heal from? 
So yeah, that will be my advice. And also find, of course, finding a community of like-minded people, you know, colleagues or friends or, you know, people that, that share your beliefs that, that this message resonates with as well. Mm -hmm. So important. Mm. Again, I feel like I can like, there's so many things that you're sharing that it resonates a lot with my story in terms of all that. And I'm like here hearing you and I'm like, Ooh, let's collaborate on all these things, but I'll contact you later for that. But <laughs> we in terms can, we of, can continue on when you're I on know, my podcast. Right? Yes, <laughs> in, on yours, exactly. <laughs> but in terms of the fire round questions, so this is like complete the sentence. My unique and special gift is my empathy. I am reclaiming my intuitive uh, gifts or my intuition. Yeah. I no longer subscribe to playing small. I love that one. Yeah. If my ancestor would speak, they would say, uh, Tú eres nuestra voz. You are our voice. And my wish for you, meaning the audience, is oh, that you continue on your journey of healing. Well, let me backtrack of awareness, healing, and transformation, whatever mm. that looks like for you to continue on that path. Oh, Rasa, thank you so much. And can you share your current or coming offers and how can people find about you and connect with you? Yeah, so I'm on Instagram. I'm pretty active on Instagram, on inner healing underscore paths. And it will be here and then, in the show notes. So yeah. Okay. And I have a website with my name, Rosa Shetty, lcsw.com. And I have a podcast that I just released in October. So I have, um, I have a about four or five episodes all about ancestral healing and reconnecting. And, and this month of November, I'm going to be switching gears and provide different topics. But for the month of October, it was all about that. So if you're interested in learning more about ancestral healing and reclamation of your ancestral medicine, take a listen to those episodes. Yeah. And just go and follow. I love your reels and the ones about the affirmations with the with the images in the background and oh, thank um, you. they're so soothing and all that. So sometimes it's like one of those, like you feel that your medicine through them. So oh, for anyone go you. and give her a follow <laughs> and, and listen to process podcast and all that. And I look forward to continuing our conversation down the road or any collabs. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, it, I feel like it's so needed, especially for newly and recent graduates, how you know, they're trying to do that reclamation, but they're still so indoctrinated. I feel like after yeah. 10 years in the field now, I'm like 13. After 10 is when I was feeling like, oh, I can do this. I don't care. Mm -hmm. I, mean, I don't care. Mm -hmm. But like, I can be myself because I am mm -hmm. farther away from the indoctrination of school. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, all of that. Yeah, so, but yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it, takes it, was, it just takes time. And then but I, I'm hoping that through, you know, just being able to share this message, that it's okay to connect with your intuition, that it's okay to connect with your own spirituality, that you can bring yourself into the session, that you don't have to leave yourself at the door when you're connected. Yeah. Like, actually, people want your, you know, people want you. You know, I think for, like you said, a lot of times that we are told to not, you know, to not talk about ourselves, you know, transference and countertransference is like heavily, heavily emphasized, right? But what I found is that the more that I connect with them on a human level, the more healing it is, you know, and, and again, you know, you, everyone has to, it's a journey for everyone, but I just want to let you all know that it's okay to be yourself. It's okay to bring yourself fully 
into that room and connect with your with your clients in that way. Yes, yes. And for those that are listening, if you listen to this and tag us at both of us on Instagram, Facebook, wherever you want to use your social media. So that way we can amplify this voice, not only for this podcast, but also for the medicine, la medicina that Rosa Shetty, I always keep saying Shetty. Yeah, Shetty. That's okay. No. Yeah, brings into the world. <laughs> no, it's fine. So, Either one. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to say like an, um, like an American. I'm, I'm Puerto Rican. Like, what the heck? Like, I'm already <laughs> no, like, you're okay. Shetty. Yeah, you know, but anyway. Yeah, okay. But thank you for joining us. Thank you for being of here. Of course. Any of last course, Liliana, thank you for me. having me. Oh, welcome. For this wonderful welcome. conversation. Yeah. And for the listeners, we'll see you next week. Okay. Thanks for listening. Licensed Psychologist Now What? To make sure you don't miss any episode, make sure to subscribe via your favorite podcast player and to join our email list via our website. Lastly, I will appreciate if you would rate and review our podcast to help us reach more folks that can benefit from the information provided here. Until next time, bye-bye.